0: You are Locked On Buccaneers, your daily Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: What's up and welcome to Crossover Wednesdays here on the Locked On Podcast Network. I know that's a little weird to hear when we're not in the season, but alas, here we are. I'm James Garco, joined as always by David Harrison. You can find everything that we're doing over at Bucksnation.com and make sure you follow along on Twitter at lockedonbucks, at JArco underscore bucks, at DH82 underscore bucks, and at bucks underscore Nation. Joining us on this crossover episode is the host of the Locked On Big Ten podcast, Mr. Ben Stevens. Ben, how you doing? I love the Mr. Ben Stevens. Thank you very much. I feel very formal to be here on this crossover Wednesday. I'm good. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, excited to have you on. You actually reached out to me, and I was going to be reaching out to you because the Buccaneers, more than half their draft class, came out of the Big Ten, so it just lined up perfectly. So we're just going to go ahead and we're going to dive right in. And Ben, what are your initial thoughts on Tristan Wirfs as far as what you thought of him as a prospect coming out into the draft compared to the rest of the big offensive tackles, those top four guys? Yeah, leading up until
2: last Thursday's first round, I had Tristan Wirfs as my first offensive tackle going off the board. I had spoke to Patricia Traina, who's the host of the Locked On Giants podcast here as part of this great Locked On family that we're really living up to right now. And she was, when I was on her show, I was saying that I think Tristan Wirfs would be a good selection for the Giants at four, even if they traded down. I still think he would be the first guy selected. I turned out to be incorrect, but from a Big Ten guy, it's a pretty great spot for Tristan Wirth to land because going 13th to the Bucks now he gets to block for Brady and be a part of what will be a dynamic Bruce Arians offense. So I think it's a better landing spot than it would have been if he was for the New York Giants or some of those other teams in the top 10. So that's a great selection. For me, it really comes down to his athleticism and that being elite. And at times, he wasn't as dominant as he should have been at Iowa, but I think that's where... The step needs to be taken in the NFL, and I think it's one that Tristan Wirth will do very well because when you say he wasn't as dominant, you're still recognizing that he was a dominant force on the football field, and he was great and has all the measurables, the quick feet. He's great in pass protection. He can get nasty in the run game as well, so I think he'll be a great fit for the Buccaneers. I think he projects right now as a right tackle, but it would not surprise me in a couple years, and I think that's probably the hope of the Tampa Bay organization is that he's going to be that blindside blocker on the left side in that left tackle position Obviously you see all the athletic feats that he can pull off four eight, six forty, the fastest for any offensive lineman jumping out of a pool. I mean, listen, he's a freak, but I don't think that just is where it stops with workout videos. I think he will have a successful NFL career.
0: Yeah, Ben, I mean, you almost answered my follow-up question right there in what you just said, but I'm gonna ask you to to go on the record and make a a more solid prediction, I guess, because Jason Light did say the expectation is for Tristan to play on the right side in twenty twenty. However, the Buccaneers do have a, a very embattled left tackle in Donovan Smith who got a new contract, but that contract, just like the Buccaneers tend to do, is very team-friendly and allows them an out if they want to uh, here in the, in the near future. If you're a general manager for a football team, would you bring in Tristan Wirfs expecting him to eventually move to the left side, or do you think that it might be better for a franchise to keep him on that right side and maybe invest a draft pick next year or the year after in a solid in a, in a full-time left tackle? David,
2: this is why we do it—a couple of pros, pros that are reading each other's minds. James was going to reach out to me; I reached out to him, and then I hoped to get a part of this follow-up question. So we're all in sync here on this crossover episode. I love it. But as for where I see Tristan Worth's projecting in the NFL, I think he will be a great left tackle, a great blindside blocker. Because the reason he's really a right tackle right now, and his experience with the Hawkeyes comes with that, is because he was thrust into that position early on as a true freshman, one of the few true freshmen to ever start as a part of that Iowa pipeline for offensive linemen. He had to fill in after injuries. They also put in a redshirt freshman on the left side of the line, and they both just in their careers in Iowa City kind of held down their spots. There was no re- need to really interchange them at all. So I think, and it's been said by Iowa's head coach, Kirk Ferentz, that he thinks without a doubt, Tristan Wirfs will be able to move over to that left side and do it very well. So I think him being a right tackle in college was more out of necessity, and it's just a spot along a solid offensive line for Iowa that he ended up staying. But I would be not I would not be surprised at all, and I think he will end up being a left side a left tackle in the NFL. All
1: right. Well, and you know you you take a look at Wirfs and everything that you said his his pure athleticism his his strength just everything. What was it, do you think, about Wurfs or maybe about some of these other offensive tackles that caused him to fall all the way to 13 to the Buccaneers? I think some of that has come from the question of, okay, is it just
2: that he's a freak athlete or can we really put pen to paper? And when we watch the film at times, was he lacking a little bit? Some of the footwork at times is a little bit not as you know stationary as you would want. So I think maybe people had some doubts. And as David alluded to, I think one of the knocks against him was the fact that he was on the right side as a right tackle. Do you want to invest that early in the first round for a guy that's just going to end up being a career right tackle? I don't know. That's probably why I think he fell a little bit. And some of the other teams highlighted Andrew Thomas, Makai Becton, who's just an incredibly large fellow. I think that's maybe why Tristan Wirfs fell a little bit. But again, listen, I have my Big Ten biases for sure. But I'm glad that Tristan Wirfs in a way fell because he ends up in a great situation. So my question, my charge to you guys is how do you see him playing out? How do you think his role will be for the Tampa Bay Bucks in not only his rookie year, but in the years to come?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that stepping into this into this season he's expected to become the starting right tackle I think that's going to be the expectation for the team you know Jason Light and Bruce Arians were were very focused and very intentional in in talking about not rushing people onto the field and that's a message that they've delivered in the past with players as well so they kind of kept that same tempo with Tristan talking about how when he comes into the program they'll see how he takes everything they'll see how he develops and they're not going to rush him onto the field but I think behind closed doors when it comes time to you know ink the contract and it comes time to enter training camp, that it's going to be very well known that Tristan Wirfs is expected to be that starting right tackle. Donovan Smith will stay on the left, at least for the time being. And as far as the future is concerned, I honestly don't know. I honestly can't get a pulse. Uh, James, I don't know if maybe you have more of a gut feeling, but I don't think Jason has really tipped his hand too much as to what they feel the future of Donovan Smith is. Uh, last year was was arguably his best season as a pro. So if this year he can come in and build on that and have an even better season, then it's possible that the Buccaneers decide to make a long-term investment in him once the time comes uh, to potentially re-up that contract. But one way or another, we know the future of the Buccaneers offensive line is not going to be in this front five that we expect to see in 2020 because they've got way too much money invested in that front line. So you figure either Ryan Jensen or either Donovan Smith will have their time with the Buccaneers. And because the team can't just can't justify and afford re-signing both of them when their contracts come up, they're going to have to invest draft capital into one of those two positions Uh, it's just going to be a matter of whether or not I think Donovan Smith can give the Buccaneers enough evidence to stay with the team from an early morning breakfast burrito to a 12 pack of your favorite beverage while you're watching all the Tom Brady film you can consume sometimes you just need what you need delivered fast and that's where Postmates comes in If you're like me, you probably start thinking about what to eat for dinner while you're eating lunch. I love food and that's why I love using Postmates. They deliver food from every restaurant I can think of right to my door. But Postmates doesn't just deliver burgers and sushi. They actually make my life easier with grocery delivery, convenience stores, clothing stores, you name it. No more trips to the store. No more late night fast food runs. I don't even have to worry about where to grab lunch anymore. Just download Postmates on iOS or Android Find your favorites and get anything you want delivered within the hour. For a limited time, Postmates is giving our listeners $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days. To start your free deliveries, download the app and use code LOCKEDONNFL. That's code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-N-F-L for $100 of free delivery credit with no minimum purchase for your first seven days when you download the Postmates app. Anything you need, anytime you need it. Post made it crossover Wednesday on the Locked On bucks podcast, talking to Ben Stevens, the host of locked on big 10 and Ben uh, obviously, you know, a a big week to have you on the show as the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers went big 10 heavy in their draft class, two picks coming out of the Minnesota golden Gophers program, Antoine Winfield jr. The safety in the second round and then the fifth round, they came back to the school and got wide receiver Tyler Johnson. Let's just go in order with the second round draft pick and Anto- Antoine Winfield uh, Jr. Obviously, NFL pedigree, all that stuff. A lot of injury concerns. So for the for the Big Ten or for the Buccaneers fans that aren't all that deep into the Big Ten, kind of run down the history of Antoine Winfield Jr., who spent multiple years uh, at the university because of all of his health concerns, and let them know what they're getting in this undersized yet super talented player. In my opinion.
2: Yeah, his first two seasons in Minneapolis, he was dealing with knee injuries, didn't see the field much, had to come back from that. But you really saw what Antoine Winfield Jr. is capable of this past season in 2019. Led the Gophers in tackles, has an instinct for the football. He's really solid in coverage. But where I love Antoine Winfield Jr. the most is the guy just loves to lay the boom. He loves to get up there, in-run against the run game and just put a hat on somebody and he does it with a lot of force. So I love his ability and his aggressiveness. He's great when it comes to blitzing from the secondary position. I love Antoine Winfield Jr. I think he was a great value pick for the Bucks for really any NFL organization as he got into the middle of that second round. So I think he's going to be great. I think he has a lot of the intangibles you need to be a successful safety at any level. He showed it this past season in the Big Ten for the Gophers. I think he shows it in the NFL as well. Obviously injuries are a concern, but if he can stay healthy, I think he's a guy that can really do it all. He's solid in coverage. He can be decent in man at times as well. And then again, the guy loves to just get his nose in there and light somebody up. So if he has some free shot opportunities in the NFL, he's going to decleat some people in a hopefully legal way, but it will be a lot of fun to watch.
1: Ben, when, when Bruce Arians was talking about Antoine Winfield jr, he said that he was a hybrid between the honey badger and Buddha Baker do you feel that's a pretty dead-on assessment? And did did you have a particular NFL comparison for Winfield when he was coming out? I actually saw a lot of people. This wasn't
2: necessarily my take, but I saw a lot of draft experts comparing him to Tyron Matthew. And myself, I'm originally from Los Angeles, but I wasn't there. Was no really football teams there when I was growing up. So I became a fan of the Kansas City Chiefs back in 2003 when Priest Holmes was doing his thing. Little eight-year-old Ben Stevens was watching the Chiefs, and I kind of latched on from there. So I've been a Chiefs fan for close to 20 years now. And so I've watched a lot of the honey badger this past season, especially I really can think of Antoine Winfield in that similar way. A guy that can lead a defense back there at the safety position. They're pretty similar in stature, but both play the game a little bit in the same way. I think Tyron Matthew might have a couple more ball skills than Antoine Winfield, but Antoine Winfield, not afraid to go up for it and try to deflect a pass, come down with an interception. He had a pick six this past season he can really do it all when it comes to playing the safety position. So I think as a lot of NFL draft experts equated him to the comparison to the honey badger and Tyron Matthew is a pretty one that's spot on.
0: Yeah. And Ben, let's just stick with player comps. I mean, moving on to the fifth round draft pick, Tyler Johnson, a guy that a lot of Buccaneers fans were kind of mentioning in social media and in a comment section on BucksNation.com as a guy that they kind of had their eye on. Uh, I saw, I, I was doing some research on him. I saw some scouting reports and some, some player analysis and, One of the common threads that I saw was comping him to Stephon Diggs. Not necessarily the talent level, but more the play style. However, I found it interesting that Stephon Diggs, also a fifth-round draft pick, also from a Big Ten school, and I remember seeing Stephon Diggs live uh, while he was at Maryland and watching some of the tape and and some of the game film that I've been able to see with Tyler Johnson. I don't think it's too far off, but I kind of want to see what your thoughts are because play style and production obviously don't always match, right? Do you feel like Tyler Johnson has a Stefan Diggs type ceiling or do you feel like it's just going to be a similar type play style, but a lesser level of production? I think that Tyler Johnson is one of the steals in this
2: wide receiver class because you look at the numbers that he put up last year for Minnesota over 1300 yards, 13 touchdowns receiving. He was a true facet of this Minnesota offense. The knock against Tyler Johnson, and I think the reason that he fell to the fifth round, is because of the lack of speed. He's only six one, so when you have a guy that doesn't have the speed on the outside to take the top off a defense, that can scare some of these teams drafting a player like Tyler Johnson, especially in a very, very deep wide receiver class, as we know. But that is where I think the comparison to Stefan Diggs is pretty accurate. I think Stefan Diggs has a little bit more speed, but both guys are really good at creating space in our elite route runners. So although the speed might not be there, they create the separation. And then when they get the ball in their hands, they kind of act like a running back and are great in yards after catch. Both Tyler Johnson and Stefan Diggs possess that ability. And I mean, when you look at a guy that scored 13 touchdowns in a college football season, For a Minnesota team that didn't really have the greatest offense heading into last year, Tyler Johnson was the reason for that. So I think he can be a guy that will come on and obviously it's a very crowded wide receiver and offensive weapon room in Tampa Bay right now. But I like Tyler Johnson to continue to have that kind of play accelerate in the NFL because he has a lot of the basics right now, the route running ability, the ability to create space. And then when you throw the ball up to him at only 6'1", for the most part, he's going to come down and get it. He has a very large, hey, I'm going to come get this ball mentality. He's going to go up there. If you put up a ball for him, more,
1: more likely than not, Tyler Johnson's coming down with it. We've watched Tom Brady play in this league for about two decades. So we kind of, whether we followed the Patriots or not, yeah, everybody kind of has a grasp as to what Brady likes to do with the ball. What is it about Tyler Johnson's skill set that's going to play well with the way Brady likes to approach getting the ball to his receivers?
2: Right. I think Tom Brady, especially the last couple of years, hasn't really been throwing the ball downfield as much. Tyler Johnson was on the outside at Minnesota, but I think with the solid route-running ability that he possesses, he could be a slot guy at least initially to start in the NFL. Again, about 6'1", a little bit over 200 pounds, but the best thing about him, in my estimation, is the fact, like I mentioned, that he can create space and he's a smart route-runner knowing where to settle in zone. So when you have some of the big play threats on the outside, like Mike Evans, like Chris Godwin for the Bucks. I think Tyler Johnson can fill in a little bit of that void and be just a slot guy that, you know, he's going to do the right thing. You know, he's going to create the space to get open and maybe be sort of a check down or just at least a reliable pass option for Tom Brady in the next couple of years. We'll see how long Brady plays obviously, but that was what Tom Brady was really doing a lot in new England. Obviously a very smart quarterback. Bruce Arians has a more so gunslinger mentality, but when Tom wants to check it down and make the smart decision, I think Tyler Johnson, because of the way that he understands the game of football and the experience he has in the route running game, especially he can be a reliable option for Tom Brady. Where do you think these guys will be a factor in their rookie season and then beyond? Do you think an Antoine Winfield will be playing as part of the Bucks defense in 2020 as we pray that the football gods will allow us to be playing football next year? And do you think Tyler Johnson, like I mentioned, probably not going to be the star receiver for the Bucs, at least immediately? Do you think he has a factor in Bruce Arians offense?
0: So with Antoine Winfield Jr., I think that's that's an interesting uh, question. I think that's going to be an interesting player to watch because I think that no matter what, just given his skill set and his his mentality and, and everything that he brings to the field, I think no matter what, Todd Bowles is going to find a way to get him involved in this defense. But this is something we talked about shortly after the draft. The Buccaneers do have a solid young core of cornerbacks, and they also have a, a solid-ish young core of safeties that they really like. You talk about guys like Andrew Adams, who started most of the games last year, took most of the starting snaps snaps at free safety for the Buccaneers last year. He's coming back on a one-year deal. Mike Edwards is a guy that they were pretty high on in training camp. Didn't really translate too much to the regular season, but we've all seen guys come in in their second season and take that leap. So he's a guy that could be doing that. Justin Evans is a free safety the Buccaneers have had, who suffered injuries and setbacks that if he can get back on and healthy – He's got immense upside, so there is a somewhat crowded competition at the free safety position for the Buccaneers. And then, again, talking about those corners, Mike Edwards, or Mike Edwards, again, is a guy who dropped down and played in that nickel role. Jamel Dean filled that nickel role. Sean Murphy Bunting filled that nickel role. There's a lot of guys that played that role, but Antoine Winfield Jr. just kind of feel like he's too talented to really be denied. But I think if it's not year one, I think by year two, at the latest, year three, He does enough, develops enough in the NFL system in the game, gets smarter on how to use his – you know, he does have some physical uh, liabilities, but he said in the interview with the media after the draft, which I thought was beautiful, he said, I've been this size my whole life. So he knows how to operate at that, you know, height deficiency that he has. So I think by, like I said, year two, year three, the latest, he learns enough, develops enough, and does enough to secure that free safety job in Tampa for as long as he can stay in the NFL.
2: And James, how do you think Tyler Johnson will factor in the offense, at least immediately?
1: Yeah, I think it'll be kind of a slow start for Tyler Johnson. We know Bruce Arians is really excited about him. He even told the media afterwards that he was shaking as their pick was coming up because he wanted Tyler Johnson so badly and he just kept watching him slip and slip. But it's going to take some adjustment and it's going to take uh, you know a really solid performance in him or from him in the offseason because... Like you pointed out, that's a crowded room. You have Mike Evans, you have Chris Godwin, O.J. Howard, Rob Gronkowski, Cameron Brate. Yes, Bershad Perryman went to New York, but there's still Scotty Miller, who they drafted last year. There's still Justin Watson, who they drafted a few years ago. So it's going to take some work. But I think as we see the season progress, we're going to see Tyler Johnson's snaps and productivity uh, progress. And, And I think by the end of the season, he's going to be a relatively solid contributor to the offense nothing crazy but you're looking at you know four to five receptions or, or targets a game maybe a couple of of key first down looks but early on I would say it's probably going to be a little bit of a slow start for Tyler Johnson as opposed to guys like worse and Winfield that I think are going to be out there from the very first snap as as starters it's a crossover Wednesday here on the Locked On Podcast Network. James Yarko and David Harrison of Locked On Bucks, joined by Ben Stevens of Locked On Big Ten. And we have one more Big Ten guy that we are going to get to, and that is Khalil Davis, the defensive tackle out of Nebraska. Now, Ben, when we get to these late-round guys, you're hoping to strike you know, lightning in a bottle. Mm-hmm. But that's not generally the case. So you look at a guy like Davis, what was it that, that made him so good at Nebraska that might help him be able to become a rotational player here in the NFL in his rookie season? So I don't know if you guys know
2: this about me, but I actually lived and worked in Omaha, Nebraska for two years, starting in 2016, covering the Huskers, right when Khalil Davis started being a factor in the Huskers' defensive lineup that year in the 2016-2017 football season. So I've been knowing and covering Khalil for quite some time now. I think he's a guy with tremendous upside because really the knock against him was the lack of size and length as you look at an interior defensive lineman. But he's got the spark as – one of the draft experts that I follow, Joe Marino from the draft network said he's got the juice. And I completely agree with that quickness, explosiveness from the inside and Khalil Davis. Although he was playing in a position at Nebraska that he's probably not even best suited for because he had three defensive coordinators during his time there. He was really kind of lining up in more of a 3-4 hybrid position where I think he can really excel as a three technique at the next level in the NFL. And I think when, he's got, when he gets put into an offensive system, or defensive system rather, that Todd Bowles will be initiating, I think Khalil Davis can take that next step. And like you mentioned, James, be a rotational player that really does have tremendous upside and value for the Bucs. So I love the pick he's going to go learn from a former Nebraska Cornhusker in Indomitian Sioux. So I think it's a great fit for Khalil to kind of adjust to the next level, but I think he has some of that talent, some of the explosiveness in the way that he goes after the quarterback and is a factor in the run game. I think he will be a tremendous player for the bucks I hope the best for him because I've been covering him for quite some time now, but I think it was a great selection, especially late, to get that value in the sixth round with Khalil Davis.
0: Yeah, Ben, so, I mean, you're obviously very familiar with the story of of he and his brother Carlos and everything and how, you know, their family came to be shaped the way that it is. Um, Buccaneers fans have have seen this franchise go through some issues with rookies transitioning into that NFL life. And uh, the, the biggest one that kind of comes to mind, you know, Josh Freeman had some issues adapting to having money and having the freedom. Uh, Brian Price was another guy who you know came all the way from California to Florida and just wasn't able to get to really wrap his mind around being on the East Coast versus the West Coast. Um, Khalil and Carlos, you know, twins, been together their whole lives, played together, went to the University of Nebraska together, got drafted in the same class. If I remember correctly, Carlos went to the Steelers, right? Yeah, went to the Steelers in the seventh round. Right. So now, you know, Carlos and Khalil. So Carlos is going up to Pittsburgh. Khalil's going down to Florida. Uh, granted, they're on the same time zone, but they're going to be separated. Um, however, you know, looking at least at Khalil's background, I didn't really study Carlos a lot because he didn't get drafted by the Bucks. But mm-hmm. Khalil, I know, has done a lot of community service. He says his family has a tradition of community service. Uh, his degree, his education uh, is, is, is targeted for him to be able to go out and impact the lives of others. So I feel like when, when it comes to that type of situation that you have – kind of that concern of being separated from his twin. However, because of the way their family seems to really kind of put themselves out there in the community, he seems like a young man who's well-equipped and ready to accept a new environment and and be able to to adjust uh, appropriately. Yeah, as much as I like the
2: way that Khalil plays football on the field, I like his personality even more. He's kind of a goofball, just a very charismatic, engaging guy. Him at press conferences, him at media availability, he was always going to be the guy to crack jokes him, Carlos, a lot of the other defensive line people in that room for the Huskers were just probably the most fun group of out of anybody. They were they were out there always having a good time, but they brought that energy each and every day. They weren't goofing off and you know roughhousing and not paying attention in practice. They were bringing the energy to kind of bring up their teammates around them and tried to anchor that defensive line unit to do just that. So I think although Khalil and Carlos are now separated probably for the first time in their life. I don't see really any issues in adjustment. They come from Blue Ridge, Missouri, right outside of St. Louis, a really tight-knit family unit, like you mentioned, a solid high school backing as well. So I think Khalil, in all indications, show it, that he'll be a great guy character-wise in the NFL. And then, as I said, I hope he can be uh, you know, productive on the football field as well. Now, in terms of when you guys look at Khalil Davis, James, you mentioned that you hope that he can be a rotational type of player where he was selected coming out in the sixth round at number 194 overall. Do you see him guys, David, I'll start with you here. Do you see him being a factor in this defense? Could he take a step beyond the rotational value? Or do you think he really just kind of fills in and subs in right now when he starts off in his rookie year in Tampa?
0: You know, I think, I mean, from, from everything I can gather, he's got the right personality for it. Right. So, uh, the, the, if you want to call them detractors, the ones who kind of weren't uh, behind the, 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 t- the bandwagon of bringing and Sioux back for another year in Tampa really like to lean on production and a lack of sack numbers and, and, and what have you. But really what Todd Bowles' defense really likes to do is use that defensive front, those three down linemen mostly, to eat up all those blocks and, and take all that attention away from the pass rushers and the edge to free up guys like Shaquille Barrett, Jason Pierre Paul, and they did an outstanding job. And Indominus Sioux, you know, if you're on our side of the Indominus Sue conversation where James and I both wanted him back, it's because of how many double teams he had to get, how many times the offense really had to focus on keeping him contained, which then freed up guys like Shaq Barrett to do what he was able to do. And that's a very selfless task, you know what I mean? Because you're not going to get on on ESPN. You're not going to get a lot of highlights. You're not going to be defensive player of the year candidates and and all that stuff. And I feel like Khalil – is the type of young man who's going to come in and he's going to he's going to eat that up. He's going to say, you know what, coach, whatever you need me to do to help this system, I'm going to do. And whatever part of that uh, he can fit into is, is going to be great. My concern with Khalil early on is the fact that he seems to – his strength seems to be more suited towards the speed game, uh, getting off the line, getting early penetration, getting around his defender or through a gap, what have you, and less so about being that guy that's going to have to take on two blocks and that – you know, uh, that off, NFL offensive lines anywhere are going to really have to dedicate that, that re- those resources to. And so I'm not sure how he's going to fit in that role, but I feel like in, you know, third and long situations where everybody's just pinning their ears back and brushing and as many guys as you can, where Bruce Aaron's like, say, he'll, every once in a while he'll look at Todd and just say, send them all. I think those are the packages, those are the situations where Khalil's really going to have the opportunity to make an early impact. But if he can learn, and he can, he can develop under uh, Coach Bowles and these position coaches uh, the way that a lot of the other young Bucks did last year, then I think that his mentality, his motor, and just the, the willingness to be a team player at least carves him out a nice role for this team for the next three years or so and kind of see where it goes from there. And James, what do you like about Khalil Davis' skill set?
1: Yeah, I, I think a lot of it starts above the shoulders for me. A lot of what what David's been talking about, his attitude, his approach, everything. Yeah, you, know, you have a, an aging and Sue ahead of him. You have Will Golston, who is a decent contributor, but the Bucks can you know get rid of him after after this season. So I I like the raw power, but I'm really curious to see his transition to the pro game as far as when when training camp and preseason rolls around and if he can continue to improve his technique we we've heard about kind of the shorter arms and and Mm -hmm. the issues there so it'll be a lot about technique with him it'll be a lot about absorbing as much knowledge as he can from Sue and and Vea and Goldston and obviously Todd Bowles and and I think he has the attitude and the passion to do it it's just a matter of putting it all together on the field a little pro tip for you guys now if you want to make good inroads with both
2: endomic and sue and khalil davis if you ever see them walking around the facility if you're covering them whatever it may be and you throw them the bones as they call it in lincoln nebraska where you put your arms in an x and bang it a couple times they'll love that forever it's a black shirt mentality from
1: nebraska and you will endear yourself to them very quickly Right on, right on. Well, Ben, we have just a few more minutes, so let's let's talk quickly, if you would like, mm-hmm. about a half of a Big Ten member in Keyshawn Vaughn. Yeah. This is a guy that Bruce Arians is really excited about, thinks he's going to bring a lot to the offense. Yeah, He was their, their third-round pick. He did spend his freshman and sophomore seasons at the University of Illinois before transferring to Vanderbilt. What did you see in your time watching Vaughn that makes you think that he can transition to the NFL game and – be a contributing member to this offense.
2: Yeah. I think when you look at a guy like Keyshawn Vaughn, he really possesses a lot in terms of his ability to work within space. And it's very hard to bring him down to the ground. He's not, he's a pretty big guy. So you're not exactly shifty in that nature, but he's pretty quick and he can stop, start pretty well. And if you put an arm on him, he's going to break through a whole bunch of arm tackles. I think he looked good at Vanderbilt, especially too, in those early down situations. The real question with Keyshawn Vaughn is his ability. Can he be a three-down back? Can he block and help him pass pro? That's kind of maybe some of the knock against him. But I think Bruce Arians is right in his ability of being excited by what Keyshawn Vaughn can bring. And I think he's another added factor, another facet of what will be probably a very explosive Tampa Bay offense next season.
1: Yeah, and I, I think we all believe that he's he's just going to be the complimentary guy to Ronald Jones. He's not going to be taking over the the starting job right out of the gate. He may he may earn it. He may take over based off of his play. But I think the mindset heading into the season is that Ronald Jones is the guy. They saw enough in him last year. They believe that his ceiling is high enough that he's going to continue to improve. And they're they're bringing in somebody who led the SEC or or led. The NCAA in sixty-plus yard touchdowns last season, so I'm excited to see what Vaughn can do. But I think right now he is the uh, he's the second fiddle there in Tampa behind Ronald Jones. And if we count Keyshawn Vaughn as half of a Big Ten
2: player, which he did start his career at Illinois, so I think that's right. That would give the Bucks the most Big Ten selections out of the 32 NFL teams in the 2020 NFL draft. So. On behalf of the Big Ten faithful of Big Ten Nation, I thank you guys and the Tampa Bay Buccaneer organization for picking the most Big Ten players. So that's awesome stuff. Thank you, guys.
1: Well, you know, for a podcast that has a Buckeye fan and an Illini fan hosting, we're happy to do it. All right. Well, Ben, thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate your insight. Um, Obviously, everybody can go follow Ben at Ben Scott Stevens on Twitter. Where else can everyone find your work, Ben? So I'm
2: hosting the Locked On Big Ten show for us. There's also the Locked On Big Ten Twitter at Locked On Big Ten. Ten and the numerical value. Trying to do some good things and keep the Big Ten faithful updated with talking to NFL guys like you from the Locked On podcast family and hearing how these Big Ten guys will translate at the next level. So it's really Locked On Big Ten. Hope you
1: get locked on with us. And, yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on. This was a lot of fun. Absolutely. And of course, you can find everything that David and I are doing over at bucksnation.com. Follow along on Twitter at locked on bucks, at underscore bucks, at dh82 underscore bucks, and at bucks underscore nation. Hope you all have an absolutely outstanding day. Stay safe, stay healthy, wash your hands. And we thank you so much for joining us right here on crossover Wednesdays.